Hello, and welcome to the Daddy Daughter Real Talk podcast with your host, my big sister Michael. Heyo! And my old man Guy. Hey there. I am Trinity. In today's episode, they will discuss the death of George Floyd, the protests, and the social unrest we are seeing around the country. With no further ado, Daddy Michael, take it away. Thank you, Trinity. Very much appreciate that introduction. Uh, You are joining the Daddy Daughter Real Talk podcast. I am your host, Guy. I am the daddy. And as always, I am joined by... Michael, the daughter, a.k.a. Princess. A.k.a. Princess. So today's podcast, we thought it would be really important to put this pod out as soon as we were able to because we are dealing with some pretty tough times right now. Um, I thought that our first podcast would be talking about the... COVID-19, quarantine, homeschooling, and all of those challenges. But the social movement that's taking place and the circumstances around it have dictated that we do something different this first time around. So I thought it'd be important for us to sit together, talk about what's going on, uh, share with Michael some of my perspectives as a 45-year-old black man, Um, And get her perspective as a teen, not just a teen, but a teen that was raised outside of the United States um, for, you know, the first 10 out of 14 of her years and uh, see what she thinks about it. Uh, Any questions and concerns, those kinds of things. Um, Before we dive into it, though, I thought it would be important that we kind of set a baseline on a couple of things. And so, no, don't worry, I'm I'm not going to do some big history lesson here, but. I do think it's important that we are clear on some of the words that we use. And then we dive into just a little bit about what kind of got us here. Um, so the three words, the three words that get thrown around. Uh, ugh, I English very well, as you say. <laughs> <laughs> the three words that get thrown around a lot are prejudice, uh, racism and systemic racism. So I think we all know what prejudice means. We prejudge, right, Mike? So. Yeah. Prejudice is, I'm just going to go in assuming I know something about you just based on a characteristic. Just like assuming everything on the internet is true. Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah. Or assuming, well, because I saw this one group do this, I'm going to just assume that everybody does it. Whatever that thing may be. No malice intent, that kind of thing. What we used to call bigotry, that's now called racism, is when you take those prejudices, but you apply them with hatred. Right? So think about the Ku Klux Klan or other bigots that are out there. They take those prejudices they have against a certain group, um, whatever that group may be. It might be race-based or it could be uh, homophobic, something like that. And they act negatively upon it. With hatred, yeah. right? With hatred. So they put action to it. And then what we used to call racism is now called systemic racism is when systems are put in place that are based on those racist views to intentionally disadvantage a group of people. And that's what we're going to get into because that's the big thing that people are talking about now, systemic racism, mm-hmm. um, where it almost feels like certain forces within the government or within different departments or what have you work together to systematically oppress a specific group of people. Right. So we'll talk about that um, so that we're clear on those three phases. I think that our phrases, I think that's important. Okay, so how do we get here? We'll walk through it really quickly because we could do this for hours. We know that slavery started in the United States 400 years ago. Seems like forever ago, 
uh, back in 1619 is when they um, brought first started bringing the slaves into America. And slavery continued legally in this country until 1863. So you're talking about 250 years of legalized slavery. Yep. Uh, it was so ingrained into America itself that America actually went to war with itself with one group of people fighting for the, the right to continue owning human beings. And that's really what it came down to. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we have President Lincoln coming and he does the Emancipation Proclamation and frees slaves, basically. Right. Um, it's funny because we're recording this on June 19th, 2020, um, yeah. which is known as Juneteenth because it celebrates when the last of the freed slaves actually found out that they were free and were liberated in Texas. Um, yes. A full two, two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation, they finally got word that they were actually free. It's it's kind of crazy, but it's a celebration within the black community of just celebrating liberation, right? So, so okay, so that... Sorry. So that kind of brings us around as far as um, kind of a little bit of a history. So we started off being property. Uh, it's in the it's in the Constitution. Like we were considered three fifths of a person and we were counted as property. Right. So that goes way back. But it's important because it was actually in the law as far as the way we were to be regarded and more so than than any other minority group. Uh, it seemed like the U.S. government routinely work to codify that African-Americans or people of African descent were to be treated as less than. So, okay, so you have the Emancipation Proclamation. Well, that's great. But what ended up happening after that? Were we just all of a sudden equal and everything was good? No. What ended up happening is you end up with things like Jim Crow laws, the separate but equal, which was not separate but equal, but the Supreme Court actually said that separate but equal is a legitimate law but it never really worked because what it did was it kept blacks and whites separate and all the resources went to the white schools or the white neighborhoods or the white what have you and again systemically kept minorities oppressed with school books that were outdated or falling apart and schools that were run down and no investment in housing no investment in businesses but they could say hey we're separate but equal and that's that's legal but we weren't um, it's just not the way it was done. Uh, so they use those kind of things. Um, the vote, we were, you know, we were given full citizenship, which means we should be able to vote. So what did they do? They created laws that said, well, you can only vote if you can read, Well, you can only vote if you can name. Well, you saw Selma, right? Yes. Remember we were watching Selma and she went in to vote and he just started saying, well, name all the judges, name this, name that until she, yeah. right? The first few lines of the constitution. Yeah, first she had to name the the preamble to the Constitution, and yeah. then then he, I when she did it, right? No, it's all good. But you remember when she did that, he was like, "Oh man, shoot, okay, well, how many state judges do we have?" And she was like, mm, "29 or whatever the answer was, right?" And he was like, "Great, yeah. name them." And she just looking at him like, "Are you serious?" But those yeah. were the things that were put in place in order to make sure that the vote was question until you can't question them anymore. Yeah, and they just have to leave. And then, you know, the white people come in and just like, oh, yeah, OK, here you go. Yeah. And they had the other thing, right? Like in order to register to vote, you had to be endorsed by somebody who was already a registered voter. Yeah. Like how much sense does that make? 
especially somewhere like Alabama, where nobody's <laughs> going to endorse you and then right. nobody can vote there. So Right. So you look at the vote, you look at schools, right? We talked about that, separate but equal, um, businesses, Jim Crow laws. These things were all in place. And it was so ingrained into the culture that when you go and look at Black Wall Street that existed in Tulsa, it was the most affluent and successful like black enterprise area in the country. And and they were they were killing the game, killing the game. Back in 1921, a black man was accused of raping a white woman. The the white mob got together, went into Black Wall Street, killed over 300 people and burned down the entire business area, the entire thing. Because of the rumor that a black man had raped a white woman. No fact check behind it, just a rumor. And because mm -hmm. of who it was from, they were just like, oh, well, now they got to pay. Exactly right. And how many people were charged with murder? Nobody. Zero. Not even charged, let alone convicted. They could roll in and murder over 300 people and destroy an entire business area. No charges. Get away with it. That's the stuff that has happened throughout history that throughout this country's history that frustrates and really kind of pisses off um, the black community. And so when we say it's systemic, we say it's systemic because right now we make up about 12 percent of the U.S. population. And yet we make up 33 percent of the prison population. It doesn't make sense. And when you look at the things that have led to blacks being incarcerated at such a large percentage, it's not because we're bad people. We're not bad people. We're actually really good people. It's because there have been laws, things put in place that um, unequally, what's the word, disproportionately goes against the black community. Hmm. We've all seen the movies. We know about the government flooding the inner city with drugs and, you know, with this drugs cartel and all that kind of stuff that was done with Contra and all that back in the day and and things we were doing with Mexico and flooding the inner city with drugs. But then you put drug laws in place that makes me have to go to prison for life if I have just drugs that could fit in my pocket and all of a sudden you're taking my life away from me and now I'm in prison for the rest of my life. Yeah. Well, those things disproportionately affected the black community and it's something that we have not been able to really recover from. Okay, so... I told you guys this wouldn't be some long history and I'm not I'm not trying to go there. This isn't the point of the podcast. I just think it's really important that to have background. Yeah, we got to have the background. We need to kind of understand, like, so how did we get here? Mm -hmm. um, so let me stop there. Let me pull you in and, and ask you. So as we kind of review just a little bit of these things and we're going to get into. OK, okay well, let me let me say this last bit and then pull you in. So we, you have not seen the George Floyd video. I, I think I saw like a small clip of it somewhere okay. just because it's been going around everywhere. Right. But I've at least seen like the thumbnail image for the news report. Okay. And so you've seen a cop and he's got yeah. his knee on, on George Floyd's neck, right? Um, remember a while ago, I showed you the Rodney King video. Yes, and then the riots that happened after. Yeah. And on fire. Yeah, yeah. Stuff is going on fire again. Yeah, the riots happened back then too when the, the officers were acquitted, even though you could clearly see 
on the video, these officers just beating this unarmed man just mercilessly. Yeah, and, and he wasn't even doing anything. Yeah. He was just trying to get up and get away from their beating. At one point, he didn't even try to get up. He was just like, I'm done, y'all. You can, you can yeah. actually stop hitting me at any point. I'm not resisting anymore. So you would have thought like with something that blatant that maybe that would have been a catalyst that helped bring about the change. Um, but it didn't. And I can't tell yeah. you why, why George Floyd's is, is the one like is it's just that last drop in the bucket that finally caused it to overflow. Yeah. Um, that's, that's kind of the way I put it, because it could have been Ahmaud Aubrey, It could have been Breonna Taylor. It could have been so many Eric Garner. It could have been so many others. But part of me believes it's because it is so graphic and it is so sad and it's so unnecessary that there's just no way that a sane person can see something like that happen and just not be touched and moved. I think it's also because everyone's stuck in quarantine and looking all over social media because they just have nothing better to do with their time. You know, they're not like most people, you know, aren't going to work or going to work for shortened hours. Mm -hmm. So they're just looking for something to fill the time, you know, watching the news, because with everything that's been building up to this point, it's one of those things where it's just like, whoa, really? I think that's a brilliant observation. I think you're 100 percent right. This happened while we were in quarantine and you can't just find other things to distract yourself. It's there. It's in your face and you can't really get away from it, whether it's social media. And it just blows up, especially yeah. because, you know, technology advances and a lot of people even have technology. So it's just it's everywhere. Yeah. YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, news channels on TV. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think you're 100 percent right on that. So when we look at these things, um, I guess the first question is, what is your initial just personal reaction to it and again just just to remind everybody she's you know she's 14 now but she was 10 when we moved here to the states permanently from living overseas and was raised overseas at international schools and so your experience is different because not only were you guys not taught u.s history really because you're in an yeah. international school you were you definitely weren't taught black history as a yeah not that i can remember either Right. So even if we did brush on the topic, and sorry for about my voice, allergies are got my voice you all messed up. You sound great. Really? Okay. So tell me what you're thinking. Like just your initial, how do you feel about all this? So it's, I'm conflicted because it's one of those things where like, I don't really see it and I kind of shield myself from it when it does happen sort of a thing because I'm that type of kid who likes to keep their innocence and I just want to believe that the world is cupcakes and rainbows. Mm -hmm. But when it's everywhere, it's kind of hard to, it's kind of hard to keep that. Yeah. And so, you know, when you see these types of things, it's to the point where I, I already am not a social person, but it makes me not want to go outside at all. Mm. But at the same time, I also quickly forget about it because it's not something I've been personally affected with. So it's easy to forget that bad stuff does happen when you're blessed and you're just able to live a good life. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you know, when you watch the movies and you hear the news reports, um, I have about three friends that I like three people who are really close to me. One of them definitely more than the others, but all three of them are white. And it's sort of a thing where you kind of feel this divide. But at the end of the day, they're my closest friends and we're all here for each other. So I kind of get over that pretty quickly. When you say there's a divide, though, 
explain that to me just because a bit. I'm black and they're white and sometimes mm-hmm. I'm just like I want to talk to them about it but I don't want to bring it up and then cause a rift in our friendship yeah I think that they would listen but I also don't want to make them uncomfortable or I think that push is them so away interesting no I do because right now one of the con- one of the main conversations that's been going around a lot is for the first time that I know of in my lifetime anyway white people just by and large really want to have those conversations because they want to help but yeah. they're so afraid to start the conversation because they don't want to be offensive and they don't really know the right thing to say it's yeah. weird like it's it's like if you have a friend who's you know their relative dies or something and you want to be there for them and you want to console them but you just don't know the right words to say because you know they're hurting and you don't like that's what a lot of our white friends seem to be going through right now is yeah like oh man I, I, I hate this for you guys and i really want to help you but I'm, I'm so scared I'm going to say the wrong thing. And it's really interesting that for you, being a black person, going through or being a part, you know, you're part of the black community and dealing with the stuff that we're dealing with, you're the one who's kind of, yeah. I don't really, I want to talk to you guys about it, but you're white and I don't want to make you uncomfortable. That's just, that's a really interesting take. Yeah, because, you know, I I saw on Facebook one of my friends um, who's white her friends asked her how she felt about Black Lives Matter, and she said something along the lines of that she doesn't support the organization, but she does believe in Black Lives Matter, and all her friends turned on her sort of a thing, and I don't want it to be that way with my friends. And I also just don't really know how to even start the conversation, because again, I don't have any personal experience with that, Mm -hmm. or at least not that I think of. Like, it wasn't too huge. There might have been one instance, but it was sort of an emotional thing and not like a physical thing where like it should actually scar me as bad as it did, but I'm just a sensitive person. So that's great. I guess the thing I would say is I think it's really important for you to have those conversations with your friends. If you feel like it's something that you need to do, then you definitely should. Um, if you, cause I, I'm sure they, they probably want to have that conversation with you too. And if they're really your friends, they'll understand um, kind of the awkwardness of you coming to them, especially if you're just upfront with them about it. Like, look, guys, this is going to feel weird. You know the kind of stuff we're going through. You guys are my closest friends, and you're white, so it's a little bit different. But I just need to talk about it. Yeah. Can, can we talk about it's it? It's one of those things and where I And I promise you, to. you won't offend me. Just That's what, mm-hmm. they, that's, that's what a lot of our, our white friends need to hear is, unless you come at me with, well, white lives matter, Unless you come to me kind of sideways and you're not coming to me from a place of, yeah. of love and compassion and, and just want to, you know, be there as a friend, then you're not going to offend me. Ask me the tough questions and I might not have the answers, but I'm you're not going to offend have the me. Answers. <laughs> well, you're not supposed to have the answers yet, but you can have mm-hmm. questions it's and that's okay. It's not a thing where I just want to see their take on it and their perspective. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, over text, it's kind of hard to know what they're actually saying because it's yeah. not face to face and you can't like read their emotions because it's easy to type something, delete it, type something else and just say what the person wants you to hear. Well, I will definitely recommend that you do not have any of these conversations over text. Over text. Yeah, yeah. No. Let's, let's definitely not do that. Uh, so you raised the Black Lives Matter thing and, and the girl who got dragged for her comments. Um... I think there's a big difference between I don't support the actual group or movement or whatever, Black Lives Matter, but I support the idea 
that black lives matter. They're two different things. And I can have my opinion. I can have my preferences. But people can have their preferences about the movement without necessarily being racist and all of that. I, I, I believe yeah. that. And these were like her closest friends. And now she wants to move away because uh, they are attacking terrible. her. They are attacking her with a bunch of hate messages. And, you know, she's younger than me. She's going into the sixth grade this time, I think. So that's just, it's bad that she has to go through that. Because, you know, I've known her since fourth grade, maybe. You know, it might help a lot if, if somebody who looks like you stepped in on her behalf and said, guys, don't do this in our name. That's the thing that happened oh, yeah, during I private message it. I private messaged her mom. Yeah, well, you, a, you might you might need yeah. a public message. I'm not telling you have to. Obviously, I wouldn't tell you had to. But the same thing happened during the big uprising of protest soon after George Floyd's murder was, you know, we had our rioting, we had a protest and that's fine. Um, those things are going to happen. I support them. I, I don't just I don't support destruction of businesses and all that, but I understand it. Um, mm -hmm. But it was when other disruptors showed up and did things in the name of Black Lives Matter that had nothing to do with Black Lives Matter, but made us look bad. All yeah. of us, whether you were marching or not marching, if you got melanin in your skin, they made you look bad. This is kind of like that. And so these friends, quote unquote, of this young lady, God, sixth grade. You said she's in the sixth grade now? Mm -hmm. you, you know her, but I'm not going to be putting out names. No, no, definitely not on a podcast. But the fact that people are dragging her, a sixth grader, because of what she said, this is one of those times where other people of color, especially if you're a little bit older, need to step in and say, y'all are wrong. We don't do that. We don't shame somebody, especially in the sixth grade, who yeah. said, I support the idea of Black Lives Matter. I just don't necessarily support the group. Well, ask her why. This is where we need to have these conversations. I got friends on on social media um, that have come out strongly against the riots, against the protest, against Black Lives Matter. They're entitled to their opinion. Everybody is entitled to their opinion. Yeah. It's the opinions. wrong opinion. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, morals but, kick in sometimes for opinions, whether it's right or wrong, but. But we can have those conversations. And I think that's what's happening now that hasn't happened in the past. It gives me so much encouragement is that people are having these really difficult conversations and we're seeing movement take place. We're yeah. seeing things happen that are encouraging. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But Open discussions and debates and sharing views and actually stepping forward about it and talking about it and addressing it. Like it's actually there. Yeah. Yeah. But what I want to know from you um, as your dad is so it's great that, that you're so well-rounded and, and kind of you have this international perspective about things. And I think it's dope. I, we, we did that on purpose for you when, when you were being raised. Um, but my question for you now is seeing the reality of some things that we have to go through in this country. Are you scared? Number one. And two, how do you view your future? Are you optimistic? Are you pessimistic? And no, you can't go to your default answer of, well, I just bury my head in the sand and act like the future is never going to happen because it's coming. She has this huge smile on her face because this is just the way she approaches things. I like, really don't think about what I'm doing in the moment. I just live in the moment. I don't like the future. Those teachers assign those career path things and I'm just like, okay, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> but the reality is the future is coming whether you, whether you, uh, you know, acknowledge it or not. And so when we... 
when we look at it specifically as a black woman being raised and all these things that are happening right now, um, yeah, are you scared? Uh, are you scared when you go outside the house? Uh, are you optimistic about the future? Do you look at the future with just dread? Like, what, what comes up for you? I've been lucky to live in safe places. So with that in mind, I'm not exactly scared, but when something does pop up, near our neighborhood or around the area or just in general, it does kind of freak me out a little bit. Mm -hmm. So then I'll just kind of think about it. But eventually it goes away because it's one of those things where you're just like, well, it could never be me. And I just kind of have that mentality. One, because I'm a really good kid. You know, at school I'm dubbed teacher's pet. Like I am that <laughs> rule abiding person and I'm, I'm honest as well. So I'm one of those types of people. So realistically i can actually look at my life and be like well it's not going to be me because i'm just not that type of person um you know like when i think about driving i don't think i'm going to be speeding i'm going to be the person going to speed limit and annoying other people who want to go yeah so I... it's it's one of those things where i just don't see myself ever doing anything to get me in trouble so i don't exactly feel a need to be fearful but at the same time i'm hesitant what has you hesitant? Hesitant in general that some people just get pulled over just because, like in Just Mercy, he wasn't even doing anything. He was just driving and he got pulled over. Yeah, that that was going to be the, the pushback I was going to give is when you say, well, you know, I never get involved in those things, so I don't really worry about it because that can never happen to me. There is a chance that it could happen to you. Well, it kind of comes across almost like, well, they deserved it and I don't and it's not it's just the sort of mentality where you have where it's just like well it couldn't be me but yeah. at the same time it's one of those things where it's just like well it shouldn't have been them either so you do have to keep that you know in the back of your mind just consciously aware of it and the last thing i want is for you to go through life you know fearful and scared and all of that yeah. but i do want you to have your eyes opened to, to the reality of it all yeah i mean when you look at brianna taylor these cops busted up in her house while they were in bed with no knock warrants, which means that they bust up. They never announced themselves. And so her man just starts shooting like they, he, they think they're being robbed, you know, yeah. or worse. And the cops just shoot and kill her. She was an EMT just in her apartment, just chilling. And these, I guess my point is we never know when these things yeah. are going to happen. I mean... Trayvon Martin was just walking home, right? Skittles in his pocket, just walking home. Next thing you know, he gets his life taken from him. And everybody says, well, let's start digging up dirt on him and see if we can find a way to say that he deserved it. To justify, to justify. the injustice. Exactly, exactly. So, and this isn't a political thing. If, if you listen to this pod and, and the things that you're hearing are like frustrating you because you're like, well, you're only talking to one side of this whole thing and all of that. This isn't uh, beat up the police, I hate the police, and the America sucks, and it's unfair. Like, I'm a veteran. I'm a disabled vet. And I, I've been, I've spent more than five years of my life in war zones. So I, I've defended this flag and put my life on the line many times. I love this country. I've, I've been willing to die for this country. This isn't a hate America kind of a pod. It is a, this is the reality of the country that we live in. And things have taken place that that reality can't be denied. You can't just brush it aside. You can't color it. It's in our faces and we have to address it. And me, raising three minority kids, it's 
one of which is a boy, mm-hmm. the reality scares me. And so I have to make sure that my kids are aware of what's kind of happening out there. So we've been doing this really cool thing of watching movies to really help put these things into context. Yes, right? we've watched Selma, Selma, Just Mercy, and Harriet. And Harriet. And and we're going to continue watching these. It's difficult. Like, I want to show them, like, Mississippi Burning or something, but I don't want to traumatize my young babies. It's um, the sort of a thing <laughs> where you kind of have to be gentle about it so that you don't terrify them because mm-hmm. my siblings are younger than me, and I'm 14, so... It's one of those things where they have to know the reality of it, but not terrify them of ever going outside and seeing the light of day again. Right. I, I want I want them to maintain that innocence. But with everything that's been going on around George Floyd, there is no burying your head in the sand and, and not acknowledging these things. Yeah. What we do is confront it, watch a movie, kick back, have a discussion, and let's just talk about it. What do you think? Pause while we're questions? watching the movie. Like, is there anything that confuses you? Mm-hmm. Bring up anything, you know? And so my siblings do ask those questions. I'm the kind of person <laughs> who is just like, ah, oh, I get it. Okay, I don't have any questions over here. Yeah, we were we were exercising that pause button pretty pretty heavy. Um, yeah, and even like vocabulary. <laughs> Sometimes I'll be like, what does this mean? And it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. That's <laughs> yeah, true. So, yeah. okay. So you get where I was coming from. So yes, you're right. And you do conduct yourself in a certain way and you carry yourself with a certain character that hopefully, hopefully you'll never be confronted with these kinds of, or in a position where you're having to interact, you know, in a violent way with the police or anything like that. Yeah. Um, knock on wood, but uh, don't actually knock. It'll be loud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when you look at everything that's going on, when you look at the past, where we came from, where we've gotten to, and, and then going forward, are you hopeful are you dreadful about the future? Like, how do you view it? So I graduate in three years, and that's when I'm going off on my own. In three years, I think everyone is hopeful that we'll be in some sort of utopia where, like, everything is perfect. But realistically, three years, I mean, this has been going on for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So three years, maybe this is finally where the on switch turns on and everybody just gets on board and it's just like, hey, a change needs to be made and we're going to actually work on it this time i think that's where everyone hopes that we're going to but at the same time i feel like people are scared to actually act upon it there are activists out there but i mean it's how far they're actually willing to go because it's a it's a countrywide thing i mean oppression is a worldwide thing but everybody looks at america just like you're supposed to be this perfect place you know Mm -hmm. so but nothing's ever perfect. Everybody has their issues. It's just, are we going to finally work on those issues, you know? You get sick, you go to the doctor, but some people just, they get sick and they don't want to go to the doctor. They don't feel like it. Yeah, it, it's funny. And it just gets worse. I think every generation, I know, every generation believes that they've made these big improvements and things are just going to be so much better for the next generation. And, you know, the teachers are always just like, you know, you're a bunch of world changers. And it's just like, well... I mean, you keep on telling me that, but I don't want that expectation put on me, you know. I'm just, yeah. I'd rather just, you know, stay in my little house and produce games or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just generation, just like, we got to make those Mario games and we got to make those Sonic games. But, you know, everything is becoming trash because they don't want to continue that anymore. <laughs> well, every every everybody's coming to the table with a different gifting, you know. So maybe it's not your calling to 
be out there at the protest marching and leading with the bullhorn and rallying everybody. But yeah. we we all find our ways to improve things and contribute. Yeah, your contribution could just be having those really hard touchy conversations with your closest friends and helping them understand your reality. And then that can reverberate across their friends and their friends, friends and friends, friends. And that can be the pebble in the pond that yeah. causes the ripple there effect. There are like, the small actions that can cause big things, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it's kind of hard to just do those small things because you get scared of what might actually happen because there's so many ways that people can react yeah. and you just want them to react that one way. But you know, sometimes they don't, but you don't know that, so it's scared. Yeah. scary. It, it can. I'm be, not saying right? that from my personal opinion. I'm just <laughs> saying that as a reality. No, I get it. It is as long as you lead with your heart and let that guide you. The rest to sort itself out. I, I really do believe that. Um, I think back to Mama. That this is my grandmother on my mom's side who passed away recently. So she's she was my great grandmother. Right. She was born in the 30s. Now, you got to think about it. So she was born in the 30s, went through the Great Depression, uh, the Jim Crow laws, um, the big civil rights movement that came around. um, And then she lived long enough to see Barack Obama become president all in her one lifetime. That's a seismic shift in the country that took place in her 87 years um, that she was with us. I believe it was 87 years that she was with us. It's incredible. This is the same person who, you know, I would go to like Chuck E. Cheese with and we would just hang out as a family. You know, I was with my grandmother, my great grandmother, my parents, my siblings when they were born. Right. Exactly. (laughs) So like it's not even like a person who was just like, oh, well, I never met them. I knew her. Mm -hmm. And and it's crazy because like she. Yeah, you're right. I mean, how many great grandchildren get to have that long and close of a relationship with a great grandparent? It's just dope. But this in her lifetime, and she, she just passed, in her lifetime, she went from being a black woman in New Hampshire who who had a white woman staring at her and looked at her and said, what is wrong with you? And the white woman said, baby, I'm just trying to see where your tail is. Where do you hide your tail? How do you people hide your tail so well? Like, think about that. She really thought that black people had tails. Yeah. Right? We're not monkeys. <laughs> We're not monkeys. Don't even get me started on Darwin. Oh, don't talk to me about race and evolution. It was all created by a racist who wanted a way to justify saying that the white race was somehow superior to minority races by saying that they were further along the evolutionary scale that he created conveniently in order to say that minorities had not yet fully evolved, but white folks had. Uh, Darwin, racist. The term race, race is racist. There are different ethnicities. We are all one human race. Don't fall in that trap, y'all. Free your mind. But anyway, so I told you I wouldn't preach to y'all. That's not the point of the pod. Not the point of the pod. But this is a special podcast. Okay. Um. So where did you land on that? Dreadful? Hopeful? It's my mentality. Like my dreamer side of me is hopeful but the realist side of me is just like in three years not much is going to change if we look at it realistically Mm -hmm. maybe further down the line i hope so because you know i do want to get married and have kids but at the same time if the world is going to heck right now (laughs) i don't want to bring kids into that kind of world and have to make them live through that so because like, I like the change. I just don't like the violence that 
seems to come with it because it seems like we can't talk it out like adults and civilized people. We have to go to war about it or create riots and just violence everywhere in order to actually get a point across. And we shouldn't have to do that. Like you say, you know, you've been saying like we're superior to you. Then when we try to come talk to you like people, why are you just violent about it? Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. Let me turn the, the microphone over to you for just a minute. Did you have any thoughts, questions? Where it's, are you at? I just I just want to know why people can't get their stuff together. Like, you're on this side, you're on that side. Okay, but can we talk it out? Because, you know, there's debate class in school. I know how that <laughs> you know how to debate. I know you know how to write an essay. And maybe you don't, maybe you do, but you know these are stuff that are being taught in school so why can't we just talk it out like normal people Mm -hmm. because it always seems like something big has to happen you know with like what was it los angeles or las vegas on fire or something like that what was that last bit you know you just it always seems like something has to go on fire or there has to be a huge riot in order to actually get attention or something bad happens that's such a good observation though mike there's so many uh, adults out there particularly white adults out there who are so confused about the riots and why do you people do this and why do you people burn your own houses down why do you people burn down your businesses and i'm not saying i support it or don't support it Um, that's my personal opinion i hold on to it but you're right the what is uh everybody wants to quote martin luther king these days and a riot is the the language of the unheard because riots get attention and attention creates conversation and conversation brings about change you We've know. been trying to have these conversations for decades, for generations, and all we get is lip service. Nothing happens. Um, it's like, oh, well, we're working on it. You know, it's a long process. Uh, how long does it take? Because last I checked, we've been working on this for at least 100 years. Yeah. Come least, on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're waiting. Yeah, and so people get frustrated, especially when it's thrown in your face that a person can put his knee on the back of a man's neck in front of everybody, shove his hands in it. his pocket, and smile. While this man is calling out for his mother, um, that is so so egregious. Not even a child. Not even a child. It's it's so egregious. And so the frustration just, it it does, it overflows. Uh, I'm sorry that you don't have more optimism. If I was going to answer that question, I'd say I'm actually really optimistic. And the thing that's changed for me that makes me at least optimistic is it's not just us lecturing white folks and screaming and being upset and and crying and everything else it's it's there's more white folks showing up at these protests some of these protests than black folks i think i think i think a lot of folks in the white community finally get it and not only do they get it they want to be part of the solution they want to be part of the conversation and and i've listened to some of these i've actually had them come to me and they're like i don't know the right thing to say and i don't know the right thing to do I just want to understand because I realize now that I thought I did and I don't. I don't know what it's like to leave the house wondering if you're going to make it home or when you get pulled over being that scared. Remember we were watching uh, Just Mercy in the beginning when Jamie Foxx's character got pulled over? Mm-hmm. The first thing he did was just put his hands up on the dashboard and I paused it and I said, this is what you do when you get stopped by the police. Mm-hmm. Hands up on the dashboard, fingers spread wide open and it's yes, sir. No, sir. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Like, that's even it. in blackish. They had that saying. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. No, sir. Thank you, sir. Seven words you need to know. Seven words you need to know. Yes, sir. No, sir. Thank you, sir. I mean, 
<laughs> I'm so glad you paid attention. That's so cool because we've been showing you so many different things. Mm-hmm. I um, do pay attention. Just because I don't say anything doesn't mean I'm not paying attention. Oh, no, I know you do. I know you do. Um, but the, the, the fact that folks are wanting to have that conversation makes me very optimistic. Um, that maybe, I mean, President Trump came out yesterday and said Colin Kaepernick should get another shot in the NFL. He's the same guy who three years ago, four years ago said every one of those SOBs should be fired for kneeling. I mean, he said that and now he's no, if, if he still can play, he should be given a chance. Now, I get it. it he's a politician. It's lip service. Nah, man, he's if it's moved to the point where he's willing to say that knowing it could cost him his base. But because the country has just moved that far to that position that if he doesn't. You know, it's going to cost him, you know, cost him in November could cost him in November. Those things, I mean, they're changing the Aunt Jemima syrup bottle. They're changing Uncle Ben's rice. They're finally letting go of so many racial stereotypes. Yeah. And yes, I recognize I'm saying that as a Redskins fan to my friends out there who like really got. Yeah. Change your name, too. I, I, I'm a registered Native American. I have nothing wrong with the name. But if it's offensive to some, eh, it's a new marketing opportunity. Change the name. These kinds of things are just not going to be tolerated anymore. They're just not. Um, okay, what are your final thoughts? I just, I, it's sort of a thing where, like, I consider myself a level-headed person. Maybe my siblings want to disagree with that because <laughs> I have to keep them in check. But, um, no, it's one of those things where, like, you can see them with their friends and then they're nice sort of a thing, but then you come back to your siblings. It's just that sibling rivalry. But, yeah, I'm I'm a level-headed person, so I look at this and I'm just like, what about morality? What has happened to morality? Because any moral person can see that this isn't right mm-hmm. and that it hasn't ever been right. It's gotten better, but it's not to the point where it needs to be yet. So it's one of those things where it's just like everybody just like has a bunch of philosophies and stuff and whatever. But at the end of the day, morality should show you that this isn't right. And I don't know how people still think that it's okay. I guess the thing to be optimistic about, though, is the people who still defend um, that way of thinking as far as, you know, we're, we're superior or whatever those things are. People on that side of the argument are getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And that's a good thing. Yeah. It's a good thing. It, it's, I still, I'm still fearful for you. I'm still fearful for Trinity. I'm very fearful for Ty. Uh, um, yeah. Not because of who he is, but man, he's still a black man in America. I'm, I'm fearful just as a father. Um, and I'm optimistic at the same time. I am. I, yeah. I pray that my generation really does continue doing what we need to do to try to make it just a little bit better but it's your generation that is finally finally going to hit the ball out the park i i really think you will you guys are so much better than we are at all of this um and you don't have our baggage i mean me and your uncle love my brother mm-hmm. i mean we got we got threatened and, and he got punched by a kkk guy when we were like three and five years old yeah. Um, because, you know, his son fell down on the playground. Those kind of things scar you. You know, when when the uh, the KKK school teacher um, got really upset at Uncle Love for and something that he Uncle said. this is my Uncle Michael. I nicknamed uh, him Uncle Love when I was like four. You did. I was, yeah, so, it's Uncle Michael. <laughs> Uncle yeah. Mike. Uh, he, he said the wrong thing to the teacher and the teacher sent six boys home 
to, to beat us up. On the football team. Yeah, on the football team. Now, we ran all the way home but couldn't get inside the door, so we had to sit there and fight these boys, and we laid them all out because that's how the Johnson brothers got down. Yeah. Uh, if Mike listens to this, he's going to be smiling so big because we thumped them. We thumped them, but that's not the point. The point is he set, he set these boys on us. Um, when you grow up with those experiences, they shape you. Um, yeah. But hopefully you guys don't have as much of those, as much as that scar of, of that scar tissue. I think it gets a little bit less every generation. And, you know, I, I have emotional scars from stuff that's happened to me because I am a sensitive person and I am that kind of sister who like my sister got fake friends and then she took them back and I told her, no, lay them out in the street for the <laughs> trash to pick up because I had a fake friend. My, my socialness has gone down from like five to zero. <laughs> so I just, I go to my sister and I'm just like, drop her, drop them. Cause yeah. if they keep on, they keep on hurting you and then asking you to take them back and you do because you're that friendly type of person. But I don't want you to go through that emotional scar because it, it wrecked me. And she's such an outgoing person. And she's like the popular girl who like hangs out with the, um, she has a friend who's special needs. Like, she's that type of loving, caring person. And I'm just like, we need those people in the world. So you got to drop the people who aren't giving you back what you give to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I protect them in that way. And then she gets mad at me. And it's just like, stop trying to control my friends in my life. <laughs> ah, I hate you. Get out of my room. Okay. That's going to have to be a really interesting future future uh, episode about uh, you and your interaction with your siblings and all of that <laughs> good stuff. But so I feel like I kind of dominated this pod i think it was just important to really kind of check in um again it's juneteenth i I just think there wasn't a more appropriate day to kind of jump in we rolled straight through this pod with no editing and pausing because we just wanted to have an authentic real conversation uh, about these things real talk exactly um so as we wrap up and close did you have any parting thoughts questions anything around this this uh this whole issue it's weird with this generation because, you know, people that in other generations use as derogatory words, it's mm-hmm. as casual as saying idiot or stupid or like, are you retarded? No way. Like, it's those type of like derogatory words, like the N word. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it. Uh, it's stuff like the N word or B word or just curse words in general. Like, words that are bad are just thrown around as casual as like, you're an idiot or are you stupid or bro. Mm. <laughs> And it's just, it's another thing where it's just like, okay, like, at this point, <laughs> what you doing? <laughs> what you doing? So it's along, like, so... It's have, along the lines of just, like, Have okay, you been like, called you know, the N-word? Not me, but I can hear them, like, yelling in the... I could hear them yelling the F-word, N-word, like, in the same sentence down the hall in my school when I'm walking to lunch. Well, so in your school, there are kids actually using the N-word... Towards each other. F word. Yeah, like there will be like two black kids or like a black and a white kid calling each other the N word. Mm. But it's just casual, like roughhousing play. And the thing is, at this point, it's where the teachers don't even stop them. Like they can scream the F word, the teacher can see them. They don't stop them. Doesn't matter what race you are, they just, they gave up. That's insane. (laughs) They gave up on using. I think that's going to change. All right, first, I blame my generation because we casualized the N-word by taking it and owning it and and trying to, like, I guess, take the power out of it. Um, There's other um, 
minority groups who've done the same thing. You'll have like gay groups that will call each other queer all the time and that kind of thing. It used to be like really bad. Now it's actually like an identity. That there they are own. people. There are people who will call each other gay just for like stepping on a shoelace or something in my school. Yeah, see, that's a derogatory part of it, though, right? And, yeah. and so they've they've done that. But some groups will take something that's derogatory own it and try to change the meaning of it or whatever so that you can't hurt them with it anymore it's it's almost yeah. like taking the bat out of the guy's hand and, and then beating him back with it so you can't hurt him anymore um the problem though is and i could be wrong but i don't think there's a more racially charged word in the english dictionary than the n-word um and it's not but it's I become a our, word of play now it's just yeah, like but that's the bro. thing i think it's the same as saying like bro or bro or like dude mm-hmm. At this point, like yeah. the N word has become pretty much a synonym for that. So, like, I could see boys just roughhousing and playing around as they chase each other to the cafeteria, and they can use all sorts of words, but they're just they're just playing. Like I that's it's, where so it's come to. A couple of things I would put out there is number one, let's let's listen for if there's an A or an ER on the end of that because it does matter um, on the end of that word. Number two, uh, you better be really sure that whoever you're hanging with is okay with you using that word if you're not part of a certain ethnicity. So if, if you are not African-American and you think you can throw that word around, I'd be really, really sure. There was that contestant from The Bachelorette or whatever that was rapping a rap song on the gram and, and rapped the N-word. She got dragged. And she was like, it was a rap song. I'm so sorry. I just said, no, you don't get to use that word. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if your best friend is black or whatever your excuses happen to be. You better be really, really sure, because I got some. I got there some are people who do still take offense to it. Yes. I'm just saying this is where it's come with my generation. Right. No, I get with it. With my generation, it's come to the point where it's a play word. But other people who are adults might not feel that way. So you have to be sensitive about. That's what I'm saying. What you you're saying. Better be really sure. Really, really yeah. sure. Well, but I like we... I could see the way how they play, <laughs> and it's to the point where like I yeah they're boys. <laughs> they gonna do that. <laughs> So I think uh, I think we better wrap this up. It's it's gone on for a while, but it was an important conversation that I didn't want to stop um, prematurely. And even now, I feel like I'm stopping it prematurely. Um, but you know, we'll we'll continue to explore this. We'll continue to have these conversations, branching topics that can become separate. Does this help? I guess because the point of the pod is to help dads and daughters have these conversations. But it's really parents, kids. Um, have the movies helped? Does having these conversations um, help? You you hear about this stuff in history class, but watching the movies helps you really like bring it to life. Mm-hmm. And I already have a vivid vivid imagination, but to see it as like how it really happened, sort of a thing, without fantasizing any of it mm-hmm. and just bringing it with a reality, especially when it is based on true stories. That's what I was gonna say. I think that's helped a lot. Is based again, on true stories. Harriet, Just Mercy, Selma, and then some others we're gonna go into. Um, those are based on actual people. Yeah. Yeah. And it just helps to, you know, actually bring it to light. Mm -hmm. And then actually talking about it helps me to be able to sort out my thoughts, like my stuff, my friends. I didn't know how to feel about it, but then I just kind of talked to myself in the shower because I have a lot of conversations with myself and I was able to help sort through those feelings. And I also talked to my dad about it because I think my mom was at work. Or busy so i talked to my dad about it too mm-hmm. and just talking in general helps me be able to sort out my thoughts right or writing it down right but it's one of those things where like i don't want to adjust it the wrong way with my friends so i want to be able to talk about it first and get my own thoughts together 
and after afterwards I went on this whole spiel with my friend about how much she means to me so <laughs> I was just like I don't really care about races like my mom yeah she tells me that I don't care about what's on the outside it's about what's on the inside yeah that's the and way that's, we try to raise you guys you know it's, it's worked for me that's good that's good I mean that means we're winning um so with that, guys, we're going to wrap this up. Thank you so much for joining us on episode two as we explored the, the George Floyd incident and the ramifications of it. It was a it was a tougher talk. Um, obviously, it's it's even more uh, not difficult, but sensitive, if you will, given our ethnicity. Um, but it's important. And again, that's what the real talk part of this daddy daughter real talk podcast is all about. Um, we are going to bring the same candor and. Um, and real talk, if you will, to, to future topics that we're going to be exploring. Keeping um, it 100. Keep it 100. I just, we are actually live now. We are up on iTunes podcast. So it was an Apple podcast. We're up on uh, Spotify. So please uh, find our podcast, subscribe to it, um, rate us, review us, give us five stars. It, it'll really help us um, build up the popularity of the pod so we can hopefully help more daddies up, and daughters build up confidence and be able to get more comfortable yeah, with yeah. actually talking yeah we're getting there man we're getting better and better um but yeah definitely please do that you can find us on facebook if you just search daddy daughter real talk podcast you'll see the page that we have built um so you can uh chime in there uh, leave some comments if you have some topics or questions that you want to raise to the show we can uh we can start answering some of those questions in the next episode um at the end, we'll just do like a quick Q&A and run through some of those questions. So with that, we say thank you for joining us. We are going to sign off. I am daddy. the I'm daddy, the guy. No, I'm guy. <laughs> See, I told you no editing. I am guy, the daddy. And I am Michael, the princess. Yeah, she is. Thank you guys very much. We'll talk to you again soon. See ya. Hi, this is Ty, and I would like to thank you for listening to the Daddy Daughter Real Talk podcast. Be sure to join us again soon. Until then, be blessed. Be blessed.